In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. My dear faithful, when you go to a magic show, uh, the magician comes out, and he has a top hat, and he has a, a magic wand, and he, he, he waves his wand over the hat, he shows you the hat's empty, then he waves his wand over the hat, and he says, Abracadabra, presto, changeo, and then, and then he, he reaches down, and he pulls a rabbit out of the hat, and, and what the magician is, is trying to convince us of is that he somehow has the power by his words alone to make a rabbit be created. That, that somehow his words have a magical power um, that he doesn't have to do what we normally have to do and actually physically accomplish things for things to happen. It's just his command alone um, is sufficient that, well, yeah, he, he just has to express his will and things happen. Well, we, we know that for normal people, this is never the way things work. Whenever um, you pronounce words of command, that doesn't make anything happen. But parents all know this with their children. I mean, they can say to their children, clean the kitchen floor. But that command alone is not sufficient to have the, the kitchen floor, floor cleaned. Um, the child actually has to have the will to obey, and the child has to physically move itself to go get the broom you know, and sweep the floor and so on for it to actually happen. The command alone is not going to make it happen. Um, and the, the same is true when we want to command inanimate things by our words. I mean, a, a housewife can be there in her kitchen staring at the floor, and she can say to her floor, be cleaned and mopped, in the hopes that somehow you know, the floor would just magically be rendered clean by her words alone. But of course, it's not going to happen. There's no way that the, the, the floor is going to um, obey her words. Or if you, I mean, the more, the more common examples, you stand in front of a door and you, so, you say, open sesame. Open sesame, you know, and you, the, the door is supposed to, to creak open when, when, that, when you say that. But of course, it never happens because our words do not have that kind of power. If you want the door to open, you have to walk up to the door, physically touch it with your hand, grab the knob, and, and turn the knob and pull it. Um, that's the only way the door is going to open. Your words are never, ever, ever going to be able to open the door just by the fact um, that you pronounce some, some words. And the, and the reason is that your words and my words and the words of all human beings, they just do not have the power to make things happen. Uh, words for us are a way that we communicate things to one another, but they're not a way for us to accomplish physical things, for us to make some sort of physical um, occurrence happen. And I think we we all know that. And that's why when we go to the magic show and we, and we see the, the magician pull the rabbit out of the hat after he says a few words, we're not thinking, wow, you know, he's got magical power. Um, we're thinking, well, he's he somehow tricked us. He's, he's, he got some sort of ability to, to have some sort of sleight of hand. He, he must have sneaked a rabbit in there when I wasn't looking. Um, he's He's got the art of prestidigitation, sleight of hand. So we all know from our experience that no one has the power to make things happen by their words alone. That is not a human power. That is not a natural power. And so if it ever occurs in any situation that someone by their words alone actually does make something happen, 
then they must have a higher power. They must have a supernatural power. They must have the power of God himself. It's only God who has the power to make things happen by his word alone. Just by the fact that he wants it, it happens. Whereas for us, we, not, we must not only want it, we must actually execute our desire. We must do something to make it happen. So that is definitely, the, the ability to use words as an instrument for the performance of physical acts is a divine power. It's not a natural power. St. John tells us that in the beginning was the word. And that all things were created through the word. And, and Genesis portrays God as simply speaking words and things are happening. He says, let there be light. And just by the fact that he says it, life is created. And that is the divine mode of operation. God makes things happen by an act of his will alone. He doesn't move. He doesn't stretch his arm out to make something happen. He doesn't touch things. He just wants it to happen, and it happens by that fact. That is his divine power. His word, whether it's a mental or a spoken word, is the reason why things are created. And when our Lord came on this earth, he needed to manifest that he was God. He had needed to show to the human race, prove to the human race that he was God. And one of the ways he did this was through his miracles. He worked different types of miracles, but some of the miracles were precisely of that nature, where the miracle was worked solely by pronouncing some words. Some miracles he did by, by touching, by physical touching. Some he did by both a physical touching and the pronouncing of words, whereas other miracles he only pronounced words. He only said something and the miracle was accomplished. And this showed us that he is truly the word of God come down on earth. It's only God who can do such things. Think about the healing of the centurion's servant. Now, the centurion has this great faith that somehow our Lord has this kind of divine power. And he says to our Lord, look, you don't have to come to my house and touch my servant. You don't need to do that. Um, I mean, I know what it's like to give commands, and I tell my soldiers something, and they do it. And it's like, well, you've got the ability to command reality. You've got the ability to tell reality what to do, so just give the command. And our Lord marvels at his faith and then executes what the centurion said he could do. Go your way. Your servant is healed. And his word alone accomplishes it. But the raising of Lazarus, I think, is an even more striking example because of the fact that Lazarus was not sick, like the centurion servant, but he was dead. And he wasn't just dead for a little while. He was dead for four days. Of course, our Lord says, remove the stone from the tomb. And there's just this gaping tomb entrance there and our Lord in order to to work his most stupendous miracle he chooses this time not to have any physical action all he does is command Lazarus he just says Lazarus come forth um, so that word alone the word of the word of God was sufficient to cause the body of Lazarus to be healed 
and to cause the reunion of the soul with the body of Lazarus, his soul and his body. And since there's no possibility of any sleight of hand here, and there's no way you can just sort of slip a soul in when nobody's looking, um, then we have to conclude that our Lord, not that he's a magician, but that he is God. He must be God. He must have that divine power where his word alone makes things happen. So the bottom line is that God and God alone has the power to make words not just as a means of communication, but to make them affect things, to make them accomplish what they signify. Not just signify something to our knowledge, but actually accomplish what they signify. And we, as Catholics, we know it's part of our faith that we believe that God has willed that certain words be powerful, that certain words have precisely carry this divine power to accomplish things, to both signify and accomplish what they signify just by pronouncing those words. This is what happens with all the sacraments. God gives to the words of the sacraments a divine power. We believe that he has communicated to those words his own power. He's going to use those words as an instrument to accomplish the effect that they signify. So before the coming of our Lord, if you took some water and you poured it on somebody's forehead and you said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, nothing happens. Absolutely nothing happens. After the coming of our Lord, our Lord wills to communicate to those words a divine power. And then when you pronounce those words, while you're pouring the water, they accomplish, those words accomplish what they signify. The soul is cleansed through the pronouncing of those words, and it is flooded with grace. This is clear. This is all the more clear in the Mass. Because in the Mass, there is no physical action that is performed at the moment of consecration. In the other sacraments, there's a physical action that is performed. If the priest is absolving you or he's baptizing you, he has to do something with his body. But not at the Mass. At the Mass, all he does is he holds the host. He's just holding a host and he just pronounces the words, this is my body. And we believe that those words, acting through the, the priestly character, which is participation in the, character, in the priesthood of our Lord, those words accomplish transubstantiation. Those words, the, 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 what theologians call the viber verborum, the power of the words, accomplish transubstantiation and make our Lord present on the altar. Now you may know how the Protestants refer to those words, hocus corpus meum. They call those words hocus pocus, hocus pocus. Because they do not believe, they do not share our faith, they do not believe that God has communicated to those words a divine power. They don't think those words do anything. They don't think it's possible for someone, some human being, for God to use the, the instrumentation of, of human words in order to accomplish a supernatural effect. They just simply do not refuse to believe that that's the way God works things. We believe that as Catholics. We think that God has chosen to 
to use human words as an instrument to, for the accomplishment of supernatural effects in our souls. And that's what the whole sacramental system is about. So if the words of the sacraments are powerful by the will of God, what do you think about the word, which is the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I hope at this point you have understood that God does have the power to give power to words. He does have that ability to make words not just signify, but also affect certain things. He can make words capable of accomplishing things. So the question becomes, did God or does God want to communicate to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ a certain power? Does he want to give that name power to accomplish things? And the answer, of course, is yes. He does want to give that name power, that word, a specific power. We know that that name given to our Lord was a direct command of God. That the angel Gabriel told Our Lady that she was to name him Jesus. And he also said the exact same thing to St. Joseph. So both Our Lady and St. Joseph were told the name that was to be given to the child that Our Lady was expected. And so we, we ask ourselves, why was this particular name chosen? What does it signify? Well, it was chosen to signify what the name was meant to accomplish, what our Lord, the whole role of our Lord in coming onto this earth, and that was that he was to be our Savior. So the name Jesus, it means Savior. Our Lord came to save us, and it is in his name that we are saved. And this is true to such a degree that St. Peter says today when he's addressing the Sanhedrin that there is no other name by which you can be saved. In other words, God has not communicated to any other name that power to save souls. There's only one name by which souls can be saved and make it to heaven, and that is the name of Jesus that is why St. Paul tells us to do everything in the name of our Lord. Do you want to be saved? Do you want that the power of that name to be exercised upon you in your life so that you reach salvation? Well, you have to do everything in the name of our Lord. All that you do in word or in work, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he says in Colossians 3.17. Um, and of course... The, the church, Holy Mother Church, she follows this direction of St. Paul because all throughout her prayers, the liturgical prayers of the church, are all done through Christ our Lord. They're all done in the name of our Lord. And this is also why we, we bow our, our heads, we incline our heads. When we hear the name of Jesus, we incline our heads because it's not a word like any other word. It's a word to whom God himself has communicated his divine power. It has a supernatural effect. It's not just sound. It's not just something where you understand human speech. It gives you something for knowledge. It also has power to produce supernatural effects, especially the supernatural effect of our salvation. It's a word that is sacred. 
So all that I've said about this divine power in relation to words and the power of the name of our Lord is meant to increase your faith. That hopefully after this sermon, you will go home and you will truly believe that the name of our Lord has the power to sanctify you, has the power to save you. And so when you pronounce that name, you will pronounce it with reverence and with faith, with a deep belief that it has the power to affect your sanctification. That name has the power to accomplish what it means. It means salvation, and it's able to accomplish salvation. In today's epistle, St. Peter refers to the, the cure that he's just saying. He refers to the man standing there, and this man was crippled from birth. And he, he wants to point out to the Sanhedrin, he's like, look, this was not, it wasn't me who did this. I just said some words over him, and he was cured. It was in the name of our Lord that he cured him. So, so St. Peter went, was going to the temple. He walked up to this man. This man was lame from birth. The man is looking at him. He's expecting to get some sort of alms. And St. Peter says to him, silver and gold I have none, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise and walk. So he gave him physical health. He healed his body just by pronouncing the words. But our Lord is not, our Lord did that. Now definitely our Lord heals bodies. He's able to heal bodies, but that's not the primary reason why he came on this earth. The primary reason is for him to heal our souls, to hit, for him to give us spiritual benefits through his coming. And that is why we must have frequent recourse to the name of our Lord. We're beset by temptations. We're beset by difficulties in our life. We have this call to sanctity that's given to us by God. It's a supernatural thing. It's completely beyond our natural powers. And so we have to call upon the name of our Lord. We can say, Jesus, help me in the time of temptation. Or we can, have, we can say, Jesus, have mercy on me when we fall into sin. We can easily call upon our Lord with the faith that that name has this spiritual power. We can call upon the name of our Lord at any time with that spirit of faith, and we will receive the assistance, that divine assistance. There's, there's a beautiful custom here in, in North Dakota. Some, some of our North Dakota faithful um, to say at the end of their prayers, praise be Jesus and Mary, now and forever, amen. And I think this is this is similar. This is similar belief. Uh, this custom comes from that belief that uh, the mere pronouncing of the names of our Lord and Our Lady bring a spiritual benefit. Another thing that we we must seek to do in in pronouncing the name of our Lord with reverence, with faith, is to make reparation for blasphemy. Isn't it ironic and tragic? that people want to use the name of our Lord as a means of cursing or as a means of expressing anger. They just throw around the name of our Lord with great disrespect to associate the name of our Lord with the worst sort of circumstances when they're in that moment of heated anger. These people have no respect for the name of our Lord. 
They turn that name from a name that's meant for the salvation of mankind to a name that spells their own damnation because they're taking something sacred and they're defiling it. And if we have this respect for the name of our Lord and for what God has established, giving the power to this name, to this sacred name, then we must want to make reparation um, to perhaps within ourselves. When, when we hear people saying, saying these things, to, to say things like Jesus' mercy um, in order to make reparation or to um, specifically say prayers with the intention of making reparation for sins of blasphemy. So my dear faithful, let us have a very great reverence for this holy name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the name above all names, and it has the power to save us for all eternity. Have a great faith in that holy name. Believe that it does carry the power of God. If you invoke that name, throughout the course of your life, every day, with faith and reverence, until the end of your days, how can you not be saved by our Lord? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.